Private Guiding. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye. And in this episode, I sit down with Yuhan. We are actually in the office together for the first time in a few months. And I think after this, we'll probably be back in the office again in November with all the travels. But uh, Yuhan had an idea and he wanted to talk about private guiding. Just about how, what, why, and yeah, just some thoughts around the whole idea of being a private guide and hosting private guided trips. So we jump through a lot of topics on this one, but I hope you guys enjoy and find some value in this. Okay, and we're live. Johan, how's it going? Gee, good and you, man. Lekker. What's news? Uh, cold. Cold as hell in Germany. Isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> I was standing outside a hardware yesterday, and I had like a jacket and things on, and it just felt colder than anywhere, because like if you're in Svalbard or Norway or whatever, it just feels right for it to be cold there. It doesn't make sense here. Yeah. People lost their shit when it started snowing. Yeah, I mean, I, we were driving from home on the home, and I said to Judy, look, it's snowing. She's like, no, man, it's not. So I promise you, it's snowing. Look, look at the stuff coming out of the sky. And, I mean, everyone freaked out in Joba because yeah. we, we, first of all, not prepared for it. And second of all, we just, we don't see it. We're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw some people call it Snowberg or something. There was like this hashtag that went around. <laughs> really? Or jo- um, Snowhannesburg or something. Oh, really? like, we are. <laughs> I think the last time it snowed here was like 10 years ago. But if I recall correctly, the last time that it snowed heavily where it was white was 1981. Oh, really? I think, yeah. I was about five or six, and we went to my dad's office in Rosebank. Yeah. And I remember building a snowman. Oh, wow. And it was, yeah, it's a long time ago. That was pretty cool. Crazy. Yeah. You just back from what trip? Um, where did I go? So I went, had a private to Amboseli, and then to Uganda. Then I, I was back for just less than a week, and then mm. into the Mara for our first week in the Mara, and then another private to Amboseli. And your next trip's going where? Back to Uganda again. As a scheduled departure. As a scheduled departure, yeah. Okay. So just for people who's listening, let's break this down. We do three things. Number one, custom tour. So that is Emma takes care of that. Caitlin helps her. That is if you and your family want to travel. You say to us, we've got so much money. We want to go to this place during that time. Gets put together and off you go. You do your thing. Scheduled departures is what you find on the website. That's our tours. For example, Svalbard runs from the 18th to the 28th of May next year. There's 10 places available, book and we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so you can join a group. Private guiding is basically a custom tour, but you get one of our private guides from Wild Eye with you to host, to guide, to teach, to inspire, to do all those things. Yes. And you've just finished a couple of private guided tours and yeah. you said you wanted to talk about private guiding. Yes. Talk to me. Um, I've just sort of noticed, and I think it's been something that's been coming for quite a while, probably you know, just post-COVID, um, where it seems there's a lot of and I, I think the word private guiding has probably been replaced by the looks of it by host. Explain. Because you know, private guiding for me is you have to have the guiding side of it. You've got to mm-hmm. have a formal qualification. You know, you've got to be a guide to be able to be a private guide. Um, whereas it seems now it, it, it's been replaced by hosts. So people that are that have maybe been on a few safaris. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then go back and think. Well, you know, quit my day office job and Become a I could guide. then you know host safaris with people that I know. Mm. You know, whether it be in South Africa or Europe or wherever it might be, I can take their money and basically go on, on safari for free. Yeah, and then you know, just kind of host them and drink wine with them and. 
I'm no. thinking back to what you said. So, I mean, remember when we were still guiding? We, we met in Madikwe many years ago. Yes. Many, many, many years ago. Yeah. And I remember in those days when someone left the industry, because it's a hard industry to get out of. Yeah. So, guiding at a lodge, you kind of get stuck in your ways. Um, you get very comfortable. But there were guys that would leave the industry in those days. We're talking 15, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. And they would become private guides. Yeah. And I'm thinking back, when someone said that to me, it would mean, okay, cool, he's now guided and he's got a lot of experience. Yes. And that's my perception from the past. Yes. And he's now going to guide people as in explain animal behavior, look at safety protocols, work itineraries, and, 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 and. That to me, if I think back, that's what people said. Yeah. When they're going to become a private guide. Yeah. So the idea of being a host versus a guide, what is that difference? Oh, it's, I mean, it's... It's huge. Because is, is it fair? Sorry, is it fair to say that a private guide will host, but a host doesn't always private guide? No, I think a private guide does both. Yes. Because you know when you when you work at a lodge, you guide, you know, doing the game drive or the walk, whatever it might be, and then you host in the evenings, mm-hmm. you know, or you host a breakfast and a lunch, and sometimes a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, depending on which lodge you're working at. Yeah, you just got to change your shirt. Yeah, yeah. Go. And um, <laughs> you know, so it's. I think it's, I'm, I'm trying to find an industry that you can kind of compare it to, you know, it, it's... In what way? In a way from a, like a host to a guide, you know, it's, it's almost like someone saying, this might be a very bad analogy, but someone saying they're a nurse and they treat people as a GP kind of, is, okay. is, is that, is that they're like prescribe, They're prescribing protocols that they are not qualified to prescribe. Yes. Would that be it? Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I'm... Maybe you know, during this conversation, I'll think of another um, analogy mm. uh, for that. But it, it's, you know, I, I just think as a guide, you, you learn a lot of stuff, apart from the obvious, the animal behavior. You learn how to conduct an experience. You know, mm-hmm. when people come for three or five or ten nights, the experience that you create for them is totally different. You know, if, yes. if they stay for ten nights, you're not going to race around and show them everything the first day because then you're not going to know what to do. You have to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself mm-hmm. and, you know, share those stories, give that information little bit by little bit. Um, so uh, you create an experience for people. And uh, I mean, I mentioned this to, to my guest in Amboseli is I saw a few people that were with these, you know, private... In Ambo. In Ambo. Mm-hmm. And, and they were hosts, you know, they, they, they weren't guides. And a lot of the people, I'm afraid that... You know, it's it's not a cheap holiday, but they're not going away with the with the mm-hmm. whole experience. You know, mm-hmm. they look. It's hard to have a bad experience if if you're doing your your homework. You know, if you're doing thirty percent of your homework, you you have a pretty decent experience. Nature will do its thing. That's why. Yeah, but you're not going to have a life changing experience. And I think that that's that's the big difference. It's it, it's a whole lot more. And I think, like you said, you know, it used to be the guides. Now, all of our guides have been guiding for uh, quite a number of years. You, you kind of, you, you work for that. You know, you, we've guided for you know, 15 plus, 10, 15 plus years. And, you know, you, you earn mm-hmm. that right to be able to, to do mm-hmm. this now and to charge people a lot of money because you create a life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. It's not just a African or yeah. safari experience. I'm wondering if the photography thing didn't, I'll try that again. <laughs> I'm wondering if the photography thing didn't mess it up. Because a lot of people who host these private guided photo tours, mm. they go there, and it's a thing of the industry, unfortunately, where a lot of people are still photographing for themselves. Yeah. They get a group of people together to take them into the field, and then they get their images that they're going to sell, the guide, yeah. 
sell and do a presentation or an exhibition, whatever the case is. Mm. I'm wondering how many of the people who have now started to host private guided trips, mm -hmm. if you were to strip the photography element away, yeah. would they still go and guide those people, interpret behavior, discuss ecosystems, talk about the bigger picture? Yeah. I don't think they would. No. And that, that's at core what it is. I ask on every single trip, and I've done this for a while, like in Svalbard, now recently, four days in, speak to people and say, so if you had to come here and do this without a camera, would you? And every single person says yes. Yeah. Right? But now, because let's be honest, guiding can be fucking hard. Yeah. It's a lot of work. You don't sleep much. You've got to adapt your energy to other people. You have to damage control. You've got to inspire. You've got to teach. Yeah. Now, if you take, if you're doing it for your own images, and you take the images away, now you've got to deal with all the other shit. Yeah. I'm wondering if you take the photo away, how many people would still call themselves private guides? Yeah, probably, probably not many. Not many. And I think it's also one of those things that you, you learn when you work at a lodge. You know, you, you, as a guide, I mean, you usually work like a six-week cycle every day. Um, you learn how to work when you're tired. Um, you learn to kind of control emotions when you've got someone that, you know, might not always appreciate mm -hmm. nature, maybe they're there for the wrong reasons. If, you, if mm. you're working at a super luxurious lodge, they might be there more for the spas, people <laughs> that don't respect wildlife. You, you learn how to control those things and try to educate, work under pressure, work when you're tired. And I would love to see some of these people, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and, mm. and, and see some of these people in action because I think as soon as you, as soon as something doesn't go their way, you know, the, it might be a, Mm. very very different experience yeah. I think for me context matters because and, and it's it's knowing that back of house yeah. it's knowing when you sit with your private guided group or client at dinner mm. and something goes wrong in the lodge yeah. to know why and to know what's happening behind the scenes yes. why is the guy that's driving us why does he want to leave early from the sighting ah maybe they're doing a bush dinner yeah. and I know what that takes to arrange that I think that and apart from, and look, look, let's be honest here. Some people might be able to pull it off. Yeah. You might have someone who has never guided at a lodge in their life who creates a pretty decent experience. Yes. But if you as the client had to decide, where should I spend my money? Mm. Are you going to go for someone who's got vast experience yeah. or someone who takes a decent image who just wants to go with you to Africa? No. I know it sounds horrible, but there are people that will do it right. But I do think there's something. And here's the thing. There's no governing body worldwide. No that you can sign up. Like for example, in South Africa, we have FAGASA, Field yeah. Guides Association of South Africa. Yeah. Kenya Guiding Association, KGA, yeah. I think it is. Even up in Svalbard, they've got the Svalbard or the Polar Guides Institute, something yeah. like that. IPA, International Polar Guide, something. Okay. But that means, and, and let, me, let me pull this back, right? I'm also gonna try an analogy now. Okay. So, people go to university. Mm -hmm. The idea of Getting a qualification at university, yeah. right, isn't, I don't care, for me, this is me personal, I don't care what qualification you get, mm -hmm. but what it proves to me, that whatever you got, it proves to me that you can do the work, you can work according to deadlines, yeah. you can learn something and give it back. Yeah. And I think that the, the groundwork we do, apart, once you get your qualification, you start working at lodges, that is invaluable. Yeah. It is invaluable. And if you've guided at a lodge, I know, and if, like you said, every one of our guides has vast experience in very high-end lodges. Mm. I know they can work under pressure. I know they can. Because what happens if you don't find lions on that day? Or yeah. you don't find leopards? 
What? Now you have to talk about Dekrostakis scenario because let's talk sickle <laughs> books. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then you have to be able to tell stories yeah. and relate and educate and so on and so forth. And if yeah. you haven't done that, what do you do? Yeah. Where's the value proposition to the client then? No, exactly. Exactly. And I, I mean, it's, I feel like we could talk about this and use examples for, for weeks, but it's also, you know, like some of the lodges that we go to regularly, when guys go in there, they literally throw the red carpet for us. You know, if we want something, mm. uh, you know, whether it be something spur of the moment, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's this guest's birthday, or, you know, they just found out that their daughter at home just got yeah, engaged yeah. last night. They will, and you say, listen, organize us a shit hard drink stop with, yes. champagne. they'll do that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have those connections and stuff in the industry, which mm. you kind of get from, I think it's, it's a, a big deal. like a respect thing. It's a respect thing. It, it, again, it, game recognizes game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've never used that. There it is. <laughs> exactly, and uh, and in the same tone, you know, it's not knocking us. We're not knocking the guys in the industry that have done the hard work. You know, I mean, there's a lot of amazing guys out there, no doubt, um, and we we friends with with a lot of them. So, and that's. I think there's a mutual respect between us and them. You know, it's um, you do the work, and I mean, you've got your clients, we've got our clients, and we, I think, essentially trying to do the same thing, and, and that is create memorable experiences and bring people back to Africa and mm-hmm. you know share our passion for the wildlife and stuff. The issue here is with people that have gone on one safari um, and now think that this could be a nice holiday job yeah? mm-hmm. or a nice way to make extra money. And still get yeah. on a free safari. I, I think you said it there. You have to respect the game. Yeah. You have to respect the industry. And I think the reason why, and, it's, and it is connections, it's, it's, if you go to a lodge and they do all these fancy things for you, and not always, but as and when needed, yeah. they understand you're not just some hotshot photographer who's there now and who's just trying to pull the right. They know that you know what it takes to run that experience. Yeah. And, they know that you know what it'll mean to the client. Yeah. It's that little forward and back, and that's where it becomes real. Exactly. The idea, I mean, I've had people many, many years ago already, they've done two safaris forever, and then they start hosting their own photo safaris. They find an operator somewhere who's not photographic, and then they start running photographic tours with that. Mm. And, and each to his own. If they feel they can do it, that's great. But you think, what is the value proposition? Yeah. What are you bringing to the table? Yeah. And that's what the client should decide at the end of the day. Yeah. Is who who are you signing up with? Yeah. Are they going to be able to guide you? Not not from your room to the lodge. Can they guide you, teach you something, open up your eyes, yeah. inspire you, make you laugh, tell stories, have yeah. a drink, host, add photographic value, add animal behavior value. Yeah. That's what it should be. That's yeah. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. And also, I mean, like like you said, the the safety aspect uh, aspect of it. I think. We've, uh, look, I mean, we did a pretty intense first aid course a few mm. months ago, but I think we, the industry is like getting a bit blase with these things. Um, How do you mean? Yeah, I mean, we, like those people that don't have the qualifications and stuff. Yes, you, I mean, you, you've you still got a, you know, say you go to minor pools, for example. Sure. You, you're still going to have a local guide that carries the firearm and stuff. Um, but, you know, what if something happens to that person? Mm. You know, if, if you've never been and I mean we don't I'm trying to like cover my tracks here in the best possible <laughs> way but we, we, we don't try and have that experience for, for a guest but if you've never been charged by an elephant the last mm. thing you want to do is your guide in a short little miniskirt that's not all your host 
running right past you and leaving you there with as a as the guest sure. with the the local guide. You know, the as the guide, you should be able to help that local guide or assist them mm-hmm. in you know let him deal with that animal and you you know take control of the guests, for example. Small things like that. You know, another thing: if, if something goes wrong, if you sit around the dining table and you're in the middle of nowhere, and you, as the guest, all of a sudden you choke and fall to the ground, has that guide in inverted commas got background qualifications, experience? And even if they do, we go a step past that. You know, have they made sure that you've got an evacuation to get out of there? You know, if you've fallen through the wooden deck and you've cut your leg and mm. it's broken and now you need stitches and all those things or heaven forbid something worse mm. you know um, sure. incident with, with, with an animal are you then covered to then you know fly out and is that person a one man band because they sure should not going to no. be able to deal with that by themselves you look at the whole promise. liability thing so if you're in one of pools with John who's your private guide but he's not there's no guiding experience he's just a hell of a nice guy takes a decent picture you can socialize a little bit, but something goes wrong. Um, the client pays you as the guide. Yeah. You are liable. Yeah. And then you need to make sure, are your contracts in place as a private guide with the place you're doing? On which property are you? Is it yeah. national park? Is it private? And, yeah. and, and, and. And again, if underneath that, if the foundation isn't based on, you have an infrastructure behind you. Yeah. And I, I think... It, it is, it is. Look, I mean, it's very romantic. Yeah. It's very romantic. If you've been on one or two safaris and you've sat with Johan or myself or Mike, whatever, in the field, it's amazing. We sit at the fire. It's awesome. It's all this. But if you strip the romance out and you're a private guide, if you're listening to this and you do private guide trips, but you've never guided, we're not, not attacking here. We're just saying, listen, respect the industry. Are you covering your own tracks if you go out into the field? Something goes wrong. Yeah. We've, we've been through, like you said, we did the first aid course. We've done a big deep dive into our evacuation processes mm. and procedures. We even had one incident a little while ago, which ended very well. Mm. It, yeah. Michael was on the trip and we had to evacuate a client and it was beautiful. The yeah. system worked because we've spent, we've probably over-indexed on it. Yeah. But that's what the client needs. And if you as the private guy are going to sit there and you're going to not worry about shit like this, yeah. You need to ask yourself, are you being real for your client? Yeah, exactly. I mean, just recently now when I was in the Mara, I had um, Liz and Donna. And Donna is a, um, a nurse in uh, New York where she works in the ICU oh, yeah, yeah. unit. So, I mean, she sees a, a lot of stuff. But, you know, with our safety briefing, I then um, took out the defibrillator and showed them where it is in camp. And, and, and she was blown away by it. So oh, really? Like, there's so many places, even in the U.S., that doesn't have it. You know, mm. so... I think you, you, you've got to take it seriously. Um, and, but like you say, you know, people see it from the outside and people see the, the romantic side of it and the, the photos. Mm. and the, um, Don't always think of, you know, you're still working with potentially dangerous animals on a daily basis. Sure. Everything can, can mm. go wrong. Yeah. I think also the, the one, and if you step back from the legal side of it, from a photography point of view, I was speaking to a client recently, Mary. She's on an Africa trip now. Yeah. So uh, I did some coaching stuff with her, but specifically on creativity and her photography. Yeah. And I, she sent me her smug mug and I looked at her, at her Instagram, did a bit of an audit, looked through. And I said to her at some stage, just before she left on the current trip, that, you know what, the one thing that's lacking in your portfolio is action images, mm. is that key moment. Mm. Why is it not there? No, but it's, I struggle with fast stuff and this. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Why then 
do people who travel with a private photographic guide who was a guide who has qualifications who has experience who has an understanding of animal behavior both theoretical and practical knowledge they can make you get those shots mm. because they're going to call it for you mm. and then she suddenly and i said to her, have you ever traveled with a with a qualified uh photography guide qualified as in guiding yeah photography guide and she said no and we spoke through this and she was like holy shit that no, makes sense no, I get it. because yeah. she's just she's gone to tanzania a few times mara they're going to be now in mana pools um londa lozi mala mala will be great because the guys have an idea there yes but she said yeah but they always because only static 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 none of her guides has ever said to her look this could happen yeah. my thing is always with the clients look for the shots you could have not the ones you have exactly that's boring the line sitting there you can take 272 pictures that's fine yeah. but what if yeah. what if you walked there and as someone with practical and theoretical knowledge and experience your guide should be able to call that for you yeah. and if you've been on four safaris in your life sorry you don't have that no. you don't have that i'm no. still i've been guiding for close on 20 years now same as you no. i'm still surprised sometimes in the field mm. but my educated guess based on my time in the field and qualifications is sure as shit going to be better yeah. than someone who's just been on holiday for a couple of times exactly and i think that is an important thing what would you say to someone who wants to start doing that who's a decent photographer they're very social they can have a couple of drinks what must they do do they collab i mean yeah i mean yeah get a you know co-host with someone that that that's been in in the industry you know especially i mean if if you and it happens quite a lot from the guiding side of things you know people get to this sort of midlife you know in their sort of late 30s maybe early 40s and then think you know what screw the corporate world i want to get into guiding and then you know to you know whether you've got a family or something whatever reasons you might want to get straight into the photographic guiding mm. it's going to be tough you know i think you know i'm not, not saying don't do it but kind of st- stay mm. stay in your lane and, and and be honest with what you what you <coughs> offer you know get mm. um, get some ask for some assistance or, or yeah get someone to to co-host with you or you know if you even if you're interested and you fit the right criteria then send us a message and maybe we can mm. uh, look at something in the morrow you know if you bring in some clients and and we can co-host it yeah. and share those ideas i i still love doing it that's why i'm a i'm a huge fan of co-hosting trips even with i mean with with, with our guides because mm. you often not just the the banter between the guides but also the the sharing of knowledge the value mm. that the people get I think it's I think it's amazing. You can always learn from other guys mm. and yeah, pick up a thing. See, I think for, for yeah, me yeah. as well the, the collab idea. So I'm looking at at Nick, Nick Sinot from the Chicago Photography Classes. Yeah. We you'll meet him later next later in the year when we go to the US. We'll be there but more on that soon. Yeah. Um he's for example bringing and I worked with him on this. He's bringing ten, 10 11, 11 of his students mm. plus him 12 yeah. to the Mora camp. Yeah. He's co-hosting the trip. Yeah. He's not selling himself as a private guide. He's selling himself as co-hosting. He's a next level amazing photography teacher yeah. and that's where his value comes in. Yeah. But that's staying in your lane. That is then working. I think Trevor and Luke are going to be with them on their week yeah. and you and I are with the Chicago Photography Photography School next in 2025. 25, yeah. But the idea that he comes in as a photography host, you work together with someone. Yeah. He's going to lean into to our knowledge on animal behavior safety protocols itinerary daily stuff like this but he will then over index with his students on teaching yeah. 
Yeah. And that we would see to him, you know what, that's your game. You can run that 100%. Can we add value? Absolutely. You yeah. use us where you want to. But he then 100% understands that the, everything else, safety protocols, daily running, management of the local guides. Even, yes, that's a big thing. That. Well. So all of those things. And the same with Laura, Laura Galbraith. She mm-hmm. brings people to the Mara Camp. Yes. She, she hosts, and she's been on many, many, many safaris. Yeah. Right? Phenomenal photographer, great teacher. But again, she doesn't try and take over. She understands the value that the wild eye guide brings. And it's that education, theoretical knowledge, practical knowledge, experience, all of those things. So there's definitely ways to collab. But I wonder if... There are ways to collab. I didn't want to go where I was going to go now. Because maybe it's an ego thing. Like, I'm the boss. People always... when when, There's a lot of photographers who... It becomes very ego-driven. And that's, it doesn't need to be. No. Everybody can work together. Get, and for example, let's use Nick. Nick, if you listen to this, this is an option. But Nick could say, right, he wants to take five of his students to Mana Pools. Yeah. So there's six guests. Plug one of our private guides with you. You're going to have incredible depth of knowledge. Yeah. He can still host his people yeah. with the value add of one of us with it. Yeah. But if he were to do that on his own, the amount of... I think the amount of experience for his clients he's leaving on the table is huge. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, the, the, the conversation then could be very much be the same way we have the conversation with the local guide. Mm. I love saying to the local guide, listen, you're the expert in the area and stuff. I'm not going to tell you where to go, yeah. where to go there. You go there. If guests have questions about animals, take it as yours. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be there from a photographic point of view. 100%. Assistance, unless you're busy on the radio and stuff and a guest turns mm. around and asks me something. Then I'll answer if it's you know animal related. If it's something area related, then I'll wait for you to be done. And I mean the same conversation can be had then with someone like Nick to say, mm. okay, Nick, you know what? I, I can't te- I can't teach you anything from a photographic point of view. So you deal with that from the clients. Mm. What I will then do is I'll step out of the photographic side, mm. but I'll just you know modify myself. Yeah. That I'll just then say to you, this is going to happen. Mm. Get ready. Be prepared to miss a shot here no. to gain a shot there. 100%. So predict the movement for you. And I think that's also where you've got to be adaptable mm. on a case-to-case basis. Yeah. It's like you say, when I get to a new lodge, because often when we go to private guided safaris with a client, we know who the guide's going to be locally. Like, I yeah. want this person at Malamara, this person at Londo's, whatever. And I, I make a point of this every single time. If I get to a place where I haven't been before, we'll check in, client can go to the room, I find the guide and I have a conversation, a cup of coffee yeah. and have a chat. Yeah. Listen, I'm not here to take your job. We're oh. working together. Yeah. Like you said, you understand the lines of the area. You know the dynamics. Who made it with who last week? What did they eat yesterday? The, yeah. the history of the place. But if I then talk with you, I'm not trying to piss on your parade. No. I'm trying to add more value. We can have a conversation forward and back because the guest wins. Exactly. The guest wins because of that. Exactly. And that's a huge thing. Yeah, I love that. I love that interaction with... Uh, and I mean, I think we, we get it right with probably... 90% of, uh, of local guides. You know, some, some countries it's a little bit harder or some areas <laughs> it's a little bit harder than others. But again, you know, you, you know what it feels like as a guide to have a, um, a know-it-all on your vehicle and, and try mm-hmm. and take over. And, you know, the, the more you get that know-it-all person, the more you kind of just go into your shell. And yeah. Jimmy and Mara is the perfect example of that. Yeah. No, Jimmy, Jimmy, for those of you that have been to the Mara, he's, he's, he's a cowboy. I've never seen anybody as chill about life in general as him yeah and, but if, if guests give him shit or we've had one or two guides and or private guides in there and they try and boss him around he's just like well fuck you yeah, he i'm done off. he switches off yeah. and your experience is then compromised yeah. instead of working with someone 
Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, it's, yeah, there, there's so many ways that you can, it's just speaking to people in a polite mm. way and again, it comes down to respect. Yeah. I also think, you know what the, the, the win is for, for working at Lodges for such a long time is you learn how, and I mean this, you learn how to deal with people yeah. of different walks of life. Yes. Is if you come from a desk job and you're going to go into guiding, and this is the reason, I think, why when people start at the lodge, young guys start a lodge, young guys, girls, whatever, they start at a lodge, two and a half years for me is the first cutoff. Yeah. Because suddenly they realize this guiding thing is 92% about people. people yeah. You think you're going to play with lions all day and hug elephants? Negative. Yeah. It's about people first. Yeah. So if, and you know what, I'm just thinking now, what for me would be very impressive is let's say, I'm going to use Engen because he's, he's neutral, right? Engen, one of my regular clients, he's been yeah. on geez, many safaris with us over the last seven years now. Mm. Many. And he knows. He would be a phenomenal host. He's yeah. outgoing. He's funny. He's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Yeah. Imagine if someone like that wanted to become a private guide and he wanted to chaperone or host tours. Mm -hmm. Imagine how, how refreshing it would be for him to put something out on his marketing platforms or through and say, hey, everybody, I love Africa. I want to go and just have a great time and take some images and have a gin and tonic. Who's keen to come with? Yeah. That's authentic. That's real. Exactly. Or if Engen, it's not him. If let's use Phil, Phil Simmons. Yes. If he, for example, wanted to run a trip again, he's, he's, I would back him to, to work with the people side of it, but he's not a guide. He's no. done his qualifications. Funny enough now recently. Yeah. So he's done that. But for him to say, Hey everybody, I want to go to Monarch Pools because I'm looking for a picture of Boswell on his back feet. Yeah. I want to go there and have a good time, have a drink around the fire and look for Boswell. Who's coming with? Yeah. That sales pitch, that value proposition is very different to him saying, hey, I'm a private guide. I will private guide you. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, it's, it's a fine line, but I think that if someone could just be that honest. Yeah. But then it's also, you know, like I would then... Almost in, in, in that particular way, if you don't have the, the powerhouse behind you, you know, then to, to link up with, um, you know, like us mm. and, and almost treat it as a general travel, yeah. but you're the point of contact. And, but yeah. you will then have a point of contact in Emma that if something goes wrong on the ground, yeah. if your flights go, if your flight gets cancelled, transfers missing, transfers missing, or, you know, there's some kind of emergency, you've got the logistics team to back you up. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't need to be, you, you can. Be the host and be whatever you want to be. But you've got the backup from a, a company that mm. can deal with the logistics. Yeah. And you can then say, listen, I want to do this. I've got five people. I'm going to be the host. Yeah. But start it out for us. We want to stay here, here, and here. Mm -hmm. But I don't know where to start from a yeah. flights or accommodation or guide, whatever yeah. it might be. I think that's kind of being half pregnant, but that's fine. Because mm. if someone wants to do that, that's cool. They can host and they can do their thing. Yeah. If, however... And I'm sure there's people out there who've been on a couple of trips with us, with other companies, and they fall in love with the idea of it. Mm. That's fine. But then go all in. Go all in then and say, listen, I want to start a private guided company, so I'm going to do my qualification. Yeah. I've, I've had clients, I'm sure we know, where they would go and do Fugasa Level 1 yeah. just for themselves. Yeah. They're more qualified because they've got a theoretical background now. Yeah. But if you do want to start the thing, then go all in. Yeah then don't mess around. Do your qualification. Spend time. Go on one or two trips with, with different companies to learn how they do things yeah. and build yourself up. Yeah. I want to almost say earn it. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've scratched with the idea. You've met Scott and Candice. Yeah. So, they, they've closed their guiding, guiding school. 
Really? Um, Why? No, end of June. Um, they were Ulevani, hey? Yeah, Ulevani. Yeah. Um, just, long story, just sort of um, not getting the amount of students that they, they okay. wanted and needed. But I'm talking with the idea, if you take someone like him, and you said, okay, so, okay, cool, 10 day safari, we're going to go wherever, but we're going to do this for you as a course type thing. Almost like you're trying to be a guide in inverted commas. You know, go a little bit deeper and you'll get a work material, um, like a workbook. I mean, you don't have to write tests yeah. and stuff. It's there if you want it, mm. but you, you're going to get the knowledge and go, cool. go in as deep as you want. Go from tracking to stars. Learn what all the guides learn about, but That'd you're on cool. holiday. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's also how you package it. Yeah. That would be great. Because, because for example, for example, uh, people would do, I know some people who would do that. Yeah. Because they, for, in, in their world, wildlife photography, wildlife means more than photography. Yes. Okay. So for guests to do that without, and there'll be a photographic element. Yeah. Right. You, you can do it actually quite nice. Today we're going to study bird behavior now, try and photograph it. But that's yeah, a different yeah. story. But I think maybe it's just in the narrative that the people out there who are doing it needs to look at. Like, are you a private guy taking people on a trip or are you a photo guide? Because even then, yeah. even then, there are people, and I know some of them, right? I know some of them. They've done literally, and this is before COVID, try to think, 2015, 16, somewhere. They've literally done two wild eye trips, mm. and then they started running their own. I don't know how it worked out, yeah. but that's just, and as the photographic host, yeah. you don't fucking know what underexposure is. How, yeah. how, how are you going to, but then they pull it off because... They're nice, or they're sweet, or they whatever. Yeah. And again, you know, you do you, boo. That's yeah. fine. But it's the value to the client at the end of the day, because yeah. if, if you advertise yourself as a private or a specialist photo guide, surely you need sure. to have you need to be able to back it up. Well, that's why I think a lot of those words get thrown around. And I mean, I'd, I'm in a WhatsApp group with a bunch of uh, private guides. We all sort of met up at uh, or got to know each other at Swallow when Swallow went through the stage mm. of private guides and I, I was kind of when I was um, in Amboseli and saw these people and I had a had a beer with Liz and them I was uh, a little bit annoyed sort of walking to my room I kind of put it out in the group and said you know isn't it worth getting some sort of formal qualification mm. or just something some qualification mm. that can that people need to do in order to be but then you know people will find loopholes to say, I'm not a private guide, I'm a photographic host. Sure. Or, I just think uh, it's... Why do you think intent matters? Intent matters, but it's also, I think, maybe then for people that, you know, are looking to book these safaris with a private guide to say, listen, show me, show me what you got, more than your Instagram profile. Because mm. just because someone takes amazing photos doesn't mean that they're oh, a no. good photographic guide or a host or that your trip's going to run smoothly. Yeah. It's, and that's where I take my hat off to someone like Laura. Yeah. She's a great photographer, yeah. but she plugs into a system that works. Yeah. Um, same with Nick and the Chicago guys. They're plugging into a system that works. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's value proposition. As the client, what is the value proposition that you're being pitched with? Yeah. That, that, for me, is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think maybe the, the one way to solve it is for people to have Looking to book is do your homework and ask the right questions. You know, ask if there's Speak a, to the guide. Ask if there's a like logistics uh, team to, to back up. Mm. Um, you know, ask the guide if they've been guiding. 
yeah, ask the right questions, and I think pretty soon you'll get the answers. You know, don't don't just compare prices. Mm. You know, look at look at the value add yeah. that you're gonna get. I think it's interesting because there's it's not a it's not a zero sum game. There's enough mm. for everybody. Yeah. I just I think the reason we're having this conversation, the reason you put that message on your WhatsApp group, mm. is because you actually care. Yeah. You actually care, and you're proud of what you do and the service you provide to guests. Mm. Whereas someone claiming to do that, yeah. but they're not really. It's it's just it's a it's a very strange thing. Yeah, very I mean, yeah, thing. We, we see it in the Mara all the time, and people in those matatus that are squishing <laughs> in like eight people in it. And I mean, I I get it. You know, it is a lot of money to go to the Mara, and but my goodness, I mean, uh, if you can save another three or four years long and and do it properly, it, it's just. Mm. It's a no-brainer, you know. Mm. Like I almost, I, I, feel, I do feel sad for a lot of those people because for a lot of them it might be a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and it's just mm. that for me is not not yeah. an experience. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. I just wonder if nothing's going to change. That's the thing. It's people are going to keep on doing their thing. Mm. They're going to keep on rolling it on. For me, intent matters. Qualifications in our instance matters. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I would, I would not feel com. And I'm speaking as wild eye. I would not feel comfortable putting people on a private guided trip with a guide from us, whatever yeah. else is doing, that is not qualified, yeah. that is not paid his dues in the field. Yeah. Because you cannot hedge it on photography. No. It's any photo safari, whether I mean whether it's polar bears, whether it's orcas. We'll talk about that now. Or whether it's whether it's yeah, find a way to do it. Or whether it's lions and leopards. I know that if they don't show up, the guide will still be able to present a very good experience. Yeah. And that that's what we pride ourselves on. Yeah. And people and I suppose you get what you pay for. Yeah. And oh, this is what I want to say. People don't know what they don't know. So, yeah, exactly. so people don't know what a photography guide or a private guide should be. And it's easy then to do that because often, and I might, I might speak under correction here, but often people who run those kind of trips will, will undercharge. Yeah, 100%. They're, they're undercharging their services because their win is running the trip. And it yeah. feels good. It feels great to run a successful trip. Yeah. But why are you doing it? Yeah, they need they, they don't need any profit from it because they they probably a doctor or a physio or whatever. But but even home, more yeah. so, I've, I've had younger guys who say they just want to cover the cost, just cover my cost so I can run this trip. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. So cover your accommodation and your flight and then you'll run the trip. You're not making any money on it. Yeah. If you take it seriously, it's a business. Yeah. And if it's a business, there should be protocols and procedures yeah. that underline that. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Guys, if you're listening, um, very keen to hear your thoughts on this. Drop Johan an email, johan at wildeye.com. We've changed, .com now. .za.za yeah. uh, still works, or jerry at wildeye.za. Um, we take pride in what we do private guiding-wise and what we offer our guests. And I would love nothing more for people to go on private guided trips with anybody because they can experience the kind of things that we experience with our guests. Exactly. But please just do your homework. Yeah. Please, please, please just do your homework. Yeah. Anyway, orcas. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so just a, this is a random little one just to end up with. Johanna and I just literally signed off now. Next year, I don't have the dates in front of me. It's like mid-November. 13 to 20 November. There we go. 13 to 20 November, a new trip. This is the first we've spoken about it. We haven't even put it on social or anything. Um, 
for Svalbard, we use the Stockholm, right? It's my favorite boat in the world. It's amazing. Next year, November, Johan and I and 10 guests are going to go to Tromso in Norway. And we are going to photograph humpback whales. We are going to photograph a shit ton of birds, orcas, and their northern lights every evening. It's quite exciting. Sounds amazing. Cool. Where, go. where can I sign up? <laughs> you're, you're not already. So if you guys just watch our feed over the next couple of weeks, we will be sharing more on that. Um, I'm super excited to pull this one off. It's with Bo and Christian, who works with me in Svalbard as well. Stockholm is a magnificent vessel. The area we're going to is stunning. The photographic opportunity is diverse and very unique. So uh, 10 spaces available. Well, I've got kind of four holding already. Yeah, what have you got? Potentially two to three. Yeah. Okay, so they might. this one might fill up quick. So if you have any questions, let us know. But also, if you have any questions on private guiding, any comments, concerns, please, we're happy to advise, we're happy to help, but please do your homework. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Most important thing. Absolutely. Right. Johan, as always, thank you very much. Thanks, G. Guys, we'll chat to you next time. My name is Jerry. My name is Johan. We're from Wild Eye. Bye. Cheers.